Catholic was explaining to a Unitarian Universalist friend how dogma was formulated in the Catholic Church. First, it's debated by the church authorities. Then, when the debate is ended, whatever was decided upon is declared dogma by the Pope. Well, it's pretty much the same with us, said the Unitarian Universalist. I thought you didn't have dogma, said the Catholic. Well, that's because no debate among Unitarian Universalists ever ends. <laughs> Once upon a time in our history, that bore a striking resemblance to the truth. Uh, there were times when demonstrating intellectual prowess and winning a point occupied more of our gatherings than actually working to foster compassion and understanding uh, when debates and defiance were more central than were trying to serve human need um, or advocate for nonviolent, respectful interactions across demographics. That was not what we espoused, but that was what happened when we got together for a long time. While it is certainly still a work in progress with a very long way for us to go, we have since that time begun to discover and employ more effective and lasting means of empowering those previously challenged, marginalized, and oppressed. We've grown up a little bit in the last few decades. We've changed a good bit by expanding our awareness to be more inclusive and understanding better what that means. It's not all about sitting in our brains and reasoning out or, and then discussing that with somebody. There's a whole lot more to it than that. Uh, at its best and healthiest, Unitarian Universalism is always in a process of changing. We call this a living tradition. It says so right here, singing the living tradition. If you pick up one of the cards that talks about our principles and purpose, our principles and sources, it says the living tradition we share draws from many sources. Again, it talks about living tradition. Um, in last week's congregational, uh, no, in our last week's meeting, we did an end gathering, and part of what the congregation recited during that um, welcoming of new members was, quote, it's a prophetic house, outrunning times past and times present, and visions of growth and progress. This house is a cradle for our dreams and the workshop of our common endeavors. Several years ago at one of our summer institutes, uh, we used to call it SWUSI. It happens now. It's happened in Oklahoma for a long time, but now it's close to Tulsa. And we this year began calling this summer institute the point because elsewhere in the denomination, there's the mountain and the, um, all the those, and they decided we needed to be a the. 
So we are the point. And it, it's actually on a point, meets on a point out in um, a lake. So, but at several years ago at the point, Reverend Ron Robinson, who is uh, a minister in Turley, Oklahoma, just outside of Tulsa now, because that's where he grew up and he decided he needed to go back there and work. But he's also a professor. Uh, he teaches the Unitarian um, master's course at Phillips Theological School. Anyway, Ron Robinson was talking at this summer institute and I remembered hearing him refer to the idea of um, a difference in, in between having a bunker mentality and having a goal of service as a beacon. Beacons versus bunkers. Now, both are important and have a time and, and a place. I, sometimes when people arrive at this congregation, not infrequently, they've found their way here seeking a place that it's safe to be who they are, to speak their truth, um, or maybe for their children to be um, introduced to a broad spectrum of ideas so that they have something to take with them when they encounter zealous, single-minded individuals from other traditions. I don't know how many times I've heard people talk about Shreveport as a place where when you move here, before you're even asked from whence you come, you're asked, do you have a church home? And that's the culture of the city of Shreveport. People want to know where you're, they, they formulate a whole lot of ideas about you in that first conversation by your answer to that question. And so we, we have historically talked about this as a place of like-minded individuals, people where we can come and, and um, share some of those values of tolerance. Um, and valuing investigation and freedom, reason, tolerance. Tolerance has been transformed into acceptance and compassion because tolerating something is not the same as having heart and understanding of it. Um, but over time, our language even has changed. The thing is, if we cloister here as a group of people of like minds, then we're doing the same thing every other religious tradition is doing in their place. If we come here to gather with those that are like us, then what's different about us? We can say we're accepting, but only if you come here. Only if you want to do it our way. Only if you want to have worship services the way we do them. Only if, uh, only if you're like us. But if this is a living tradition, those things are in transformation too. And when we talk about 
meeting for our visioning and our, and our mission stuff on the 24th, what we're trying to determine is what being congregation will look like from here. What does that mean? Who are we and who do we want to be? If, pe- if All Souls is on its game, when people arrive here, uh, families and individuals can find a warm welcome, some understanding, a respite, encouragement, nourishment for the spirit, education, and collective strength. Our hope is that this place is a place that people can come to heal if they have encountered battering elsewhere, spiritual, intellectual, psychological, whatever, uh, um, spirit, yeah, religious, um, and be, then become better equipped for addressing the world around us so that we don't have to stay behind bunkers. The, the idea of... Uh, the song, This Little Light of Mine, um, comes from a passage in the Hebrew Testament where it, it talks about not hiding your light under a bushel. But if we want the, the love that we talk about, if we want the ideals that we are trying to manifest and, um, and embody to grow in this world, the place that they're seen is in the world. If we come here and we just glow every Sunday, maybe that fuels us and that's good, but what does it do to serve the world? And how can we make our experiences together feel more inclusive? There's a statement that those of us who've been around for a while uh, will recognize. Uh, It's been part of Unitarian Universalist tradition for a long time, and it's typically attributed, apparently mistakenly, to the man who, um, in the 1500s, founded the Unitarian Church in Transylvania, won a debate, and converted the king of Transylvania to Unitarianism so that that was the state religion in for a while um but hit this man's name was uh Ferenc david or francis david and apparently francis david didn't say this but the statement is we need not think alike to love alike you'll see in back of our hymnals it says he did say that or we we credit him with that um it was in the reading that we did, one of the responsive readings earlier. Uh, but if you're interested in a more scholarly view of that, I actually brought the article I ran into, and you can make a copy of it. And uh, So we don't need to think alike to love alike. If we're like-minded, aren't we thinking alike? Doesn't that expressly point to the something more than uh, 
need not think alike to love alike. Doesn't that expressly point to something beyond being like-minded? If we're truly about valuing diversity and fostering compassion, communication, cooperation, and community across differences, wouldn't choosing to group up with people like ourselves do more to prove the opposite of that? But we cannot be alight in the dark places of the world from behind walls of division, separation, defensiveness, or fear. So when people come here and they need nurturing, our job is to provide that and then send people back into the world. Since the Summer Institute, of which I spoke when uh, Reverend Ron Robinson talked about beacons versus bunkers. He has written, I was already a fan of the idea that our churches should be beacons, not bunkers. Then I had a missionally minded professor, this was when he was in uh, divinity school, who talked about the mission field being right here. It hit home and I suddenly saw church in a new light. I often feel that I'm living in a foreign culture, one that doesn't reflect my values. Rather than the attractional idea of the beacon, I could suddenly visualize us going out into the community with our own lanterns, carrying the light to where people were, being missionaries. And I'm planning to address that uncomfortable word <laughs> uh, a little bit next week. In the meantime, I'm quite proud of who you are and who we are becoming. Um, we're engaging with the broader community. We're walking this stuff out to the state government and to the people in other parts of this city that don't have the uh, benefits and privileges that we do. Um, again, from the, Latin, the litany we did last week for the end gathering, this house is a cradle of our dreams in the workshop of our common endeavors. Then part of why we come together is to work and to grow up spiritually and relationally. That means that we have to find ways to work through our differences if we run into them here. I think we're doing great on that too in a lot of ways. We've grown up a lot in that way too. So let's continue to grow. Let's continue to be a living tradition. Let's value the like minds, but not lean on them or, or, or make them a bunker. <laughs>